This here is a radio show these boys like to call the Press Box. Now, they're a bunch of radio play-by-play guys with at least one who actually played the game. But the point is, they've been everywhere, man. They've been to Auburn, Austin, Athens, Tuscaloosa, Gainesville, Starkville, Fayetteville, Tallahassee, Bryant, Teddy, Jordan, Heron, Neyland, Commonwealth, Scottfield, Kylefield, Legionfield, between the hedges, Iron Bowl, Lake Bowl, Red River, Robbery, even spend a Saturday in Death Valley. They've been everywhere, man. They've been everywhere, man. Walked the Oxford Square, man. Followed Shug and Bear, man. Of travel, they've had their share, man. They've been everywhere. They've heard Roll Tide, War Eagle, Chomp Chomp, Gator Bait, Hotted Hotted, Sue, Cowbells, Hail State, Bada Get a Weagle, War Damn Eagle, Rammer Jammer, Yellow Hammer, Give them Hell, Alabama, and her Sandman all night long. Now come on, y'all, let's sing the song. They've been everywhere, man. They've been everywhere, man. Follow Chug and Bear, man. Put them all in the air, man. Up fun, they've had their share, man. They've been everywhere. Makes me tired just thinking about it. They've been everywhere. Now that's a mighty fine of picking and a singing if I say so myself. Nice job, boys. Do I smell bacon? Man, I look good in black. It is the Press Box for Tuesday, October 4th. It is episode number 442 of the show. Mike Grace inside the Breakline Optic Studios. My partner, Mike Moats, Southern Miss Golden Eagles Sports Network, joining us on this Tuesday. And you on great radio stations around the state, including our friends on the Shoals. Fox Sports Shoals, AM 1340, 97.9 FM. We get to start the hour with Timmy B, Tim Brando. You know, the show, the song goes, I've been everywhere, we've been everywhere. Again, it's play-by-play, guys. We, we have been everywhere. Apparently, Tim Brando hasn't been everywhere. He gets to go to the Rose Bowl for the first time this week. Yeah, gosh, Mr. Grace, I am... Um... Pretty pumped up. I know. guess. When you're 66 years old and you've been broadcasting since you were 14 and you've been doing it nationally uh, for 40 years, okay, you um, you really learn to appreciate uh, the moment a lot more than you did maybe when you were in your late 20s, your early 30s. You just figure, hey, this is this is what I'm supposed to do and I'll, I'll go everywhere, man. I'll go everywhere. But you find out a little bit later that maybe you didn't. And uh, so I, I've never been able to say as the sun sets over the San Gabriels, you know, I've yeah. never been able to. Say. And so this week, it'll be a little earlier than I'd like uh, West Coast time, but it'll be close enough to sunsetting that I will damn sure say it. Okay? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Out of respect for Keith Jackson, I will say it. I um, there There are three major cauldrons of college football that I had not broadcasted from uh, before I went to Fox. You know, I was at ESPN uh, in its earliest days, and I did do CFA football with Vince Dooley after I did game day for two years when we started game day in 87. And then uh, Ron Franklin and Mike Godfrey were doing our primetime games in 89. But Vince and I, Vince Dooley, in his first year out of coaching, did uh, the CFA uh, afternoon games, which was the number two game on ESPN at yep. that time. And we went to Penn State. We went to, uh, you know, a lot of places, okay, that I had never been. But the following year, Vince became athletic director at Georgia. And so he he left ESPN with another year left on his contract. And um, the guy that replaced me on game day, Bob Carpenter, who's really a great broadcaster, good baseball guy, uh, didn't quite work out with, with he and Bino and Corso. So he wanted to get back into baseball. And um, – 
they felt like Chris Fowler was now, you know, old enough, ready, mature enough to, to take over game day. I didn't want to do it. I'd already moved home. I'd already moved back to Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. From, I built my home here at the Chateau, and uh, they asked me to come back and do uh, half times in between games. I, it was sort of the Reese Davis assignment behind Chris that yep. he had, yep. you know, before he was elevated and Chris moved into the booth. Um, so I did that for like three years uh, before, uh, to, uh, yeah, three three years from 91 to 94 and my last year at, uh, at ESPN. And so at that point, uh, I went over to start doing SEC games with Jefferson Pilot. And uh, that that lasted for three years. And I, that morphed into CBS and the studio. So I was primarily doing SEC games at SEC sites. Right. Uh, whether in the, in the booth or in the studio uh, for the next 20 some years, you know, 20 from 94 to 2013, you know, so... So that's a long time to be in the Southeastern Conference, or any conference for that matter. But when I left and went to Fox, I remember telling people, you know, they, they're building their college football portfolio, right. and I want to be a part of that. Uh, you know, they had their eyes on the Big Ten at that point. Uh, they were going to invest in the Big Ten network, you know, and, and uh, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to go there so badly. And uh, I had never done games at the Big House of Michigan. I'd never done a game at the old horseshoe of the banks of the Olentangy uh, in Columbus, Ohio. And, uh, you know, I've done now uh, three games, two games in Columbus and four games, I think, in Michigan. But I've, I've not done a game at the Rose Bowl. I went, I'd never done a game at the Coliseum until uh, last year, and I did two games there last year at the L.A. Coliseum. So the Rose Bowl is the one that I really had my eyes on, and I was dying to get a – an assignment there. And I'm so glad it worked out uh, that Spencer and I could do it. You know, Spencer played against UCLA uh, when he was at Oklahoma, but it was in Norman, his freshman year, the year before they had played at the Rose Bowl. So Spencer's never been there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so we're both like, uh, you know, kids in a candy store uh, heading into, and it's going to be well attended. You know, UCLA traditionally doesn't draw particularly well uh just ask south alabama they'll yeah, tell you yeah yeah but, i wouldn't anybody but, there yeah, <laughs> yeah but but uh, for a team like utah in the conference and utah's the odds on favorite to win the league they're going to draw they'll have plenty of people there uh in the blue and gold and utah will bring a throng of fans yeah because they they travel well and the last time they were in there was for the rose bowl game and they almost beat ohio state so it should be a great environment on Saturday. Raise your hand if you had UCLA as the first team in the country to get to five and zero. Who, who saw who, who saw that coming? Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's been a it's been a crazy year. And uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson put on a show against Washington on Friday night, and I think that was um, that that's that that performance was what uh, sewed it up in the minds of uh, of uh, uh, the Fox executives that that game would be the game that comes on after big noon. And um, uh, the I think there was probably some thought about maybe um, uh, the Kansas TCU game with both of those teams right. undefeated. Raise your hand if you thought those two no teams. No kidding. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> maybe uh, one of them, but not Kansas yeah, for sure. The game, yeah, the game is on FS1, and uh, Jason Benetti and Brock Hewitt are going to do that game. Great crew, yeah. Uh, so, and then and game day's going there. So, uh, but but they're keeping that game on FS1. Uh, we'll be coming on right after. We're, uh, the big news becomes so, suddenly the Michigan Network. They've got yeah. uh, Michigan, Indiana, 
this week. They got Michigan, Penn State next week. And um, and then I think um, uh, after our game uh, Saturday, Utah is playing uh, – excuse me, uh, USC is playing Wazoo. Now, that's a hell of a game, too. Yeah, yeah. Washington State, as you know, is really good. They played Oregon off their feet. Spencer and I were just there a couple of weeks ago. And uh, and USC looks uh, beatable right now. You know, they they didn't look good at Oregon State. I thought they might lose that game. Uh, then the following week, uh, uh, Arizona State, with all their troubles and the firing of Herm Edwards, well, they, were in, they were in that game until late in the third quarter yeah. on Saturday. So the Washington State-USC game after the uh, UCLA-Utah game were two really good Pac-12 games. That league's playing well. Yeah. You know, the, it's, with all the – stuff going on around them uh, they've really got a lot of teams playing well this season that you probably hadn't thought about you know oregon state one of them they, they've lost a couple of games but they've been competitive and um and i think that teams like oregon that we were probably throwing dirt on after that georgia game yeah, yeah. oregon's really playing well i mean i you know i don't know that anybody is playing any better than nicks at quarterback right now he's last two weeks uh bo Nix has been on fire yeah. for them well and again we talk so much about the sec and and we'll get around to that obviously you live in the south so you know that but i really wanted to take advantage of, of your experience the last few years in working with fox and covering the big 10 the big 12 the pac 12 yeah. what what teams are out there that we in the south maybe aren't thinking about you've mentioned a couple of them already they really have a chance to make the college football playoff this year well utah could run the table i mean utah might win every game they got left and you know they lost the game to florida but it's that's week one you know, it's, it's a long trip. It's week one. Richardson made some unbelievable plays. He hasn't been the same since. Neither is Florida. Yeah. And Utah has not been the same since. I mean, they, they've just been, you know, mowing people over. Uh, so that's one team out there. You know, I was bullish on Baylor uh, at the start of the year. Now, you know, now their youth is kind of – I was probably a year ahead on them. Uh, it looks to me like Oklahoma State is the class of the, the Big 12 at this stage. Although I will tell you, Texas, Texas looked really good last week. That was a decent West Virginia team, not a bad West Virginia team, a team that had just gone on the road and hammered Virginia Tech at Lane Stadium the week before. Uh, West Virginia had no chance in that game we had Saturday. So keep an eye out on Texas. If Texas boat races Oklahoma and Red River this week, Ooh. keep an eye on them the rest of the way in the, in the Big 12, uh, even with the couple of losses that, that they have. Um, I mentioned Oregon in the Pac-12. I, I think is really good, and Oregon State is much improved. But in the Big Ten, with with what's happened now with the loss of uh, with the firing of Paul Christ, uh, Wisconsin's going to be an interesting story the rest of the way. You know, you got eight games left. They got boat raced at Ohio State. They they, they took it on the chin to Illinois. You know, uh, Bielema comes in there and pounds the rock and beats Wisconsin at their own game. How about that? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think that there are, you know, I'll be interested to see with Jim Leonard, their defensive coordinator, taking over. And I think that's why they made the move. They knew that if they didn't give Leonard a chance, his contract as an assistant coach would be up and he'd be gone. And he is a hot, hot uh, commodity among ADs. He's on every short list. So I think they want to see if he can earn the job. And if he doesn't earn the job, uh, Lance Leipold's, uh, phone's going to be ringing over at Kansas, <laughs> I think, because he started his career at Wisconsin Whitewater. You know that yeah. that Division Three power. So um, 
those are the headlines I would give you right now with those other leads. Visiting with Tim Brando, Fox Sports. I want to get to Mike Moat, but I should warn you both, there's a chance this uh, segment could be interrupted should Aaron Judge uh, come to the plate. So uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let you know. We'll let you know oh, if that God. happens. Otherwise, oh, uh, Mike Moat. Well, hey, as fellow broadcasters, <laughs> I hope you appreciate it as much as I did, the sardonic uh, humor of Sean McDonough in the last week, no, two weeks, two weeks now. My God, I love Sean. And what he said, uh, Matt Berry, to his credit, the host for, uh, yes, you see these, the announcers even in the studio now are trying to run and hide from these decisions (laughs) that are well above their head. Yeah. Yeah. So it's early in the game and I guess it's raining in uh, Yankee stadium. And he tells McDonough as, uh, as Ole Miss is on, I think the 11 yard line of Kentucky, uh, he says, uh, hey, McDonough, the, just so you know, there's a tarp on the field at Yankee Stadium. And Sean quickly just comes back with, what a shame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, was incredible. That was beautiful. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God, it was beautiful. Uh, I, just, I don't know what the hell those – I mean, I do. Well, I do know. They, they are so caught up with themselves as a company that they believe they know more than everybody else. Yeah. This notion that everybody in America wants to see an Aaron Judge at bat, and even worse, listen to the announcers from the baseball game on a split screen while fans are invested hours upon hours into a college football game. It's just unbelievable. It's 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 arrogant, is what it is. And I've and got it's it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of not knowing your audience, right? I mean, you, your college football people have tuned in on Saturday oh. to watch that game. They're not, they could care less about Aaron freaking Judge. I mean, you I, know, I I I, I I think you're being nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When you say they don't know their audience, they know their audience. They know their audience. They're telling that audience they don't care about them mm. the way they mm. care about the New York audience the way they care about the Boston audience, the way they care about any major market. We care about them. You guys in the flyover states, not so much. That's what they're saying. And it blows me and away because I'll have it on. I'll have ESPN on in the studio all day long today, okay? And and they'll talk NFL and they'll talk NBA. We won't see any Major League Baseball no. coverage on ESPN today. No. Uh-uh. So, yeah. And by the way, uh, I've been just as critical of FS1. Uh, they're on all day too, and they're doing the same damn thing ESPN does. Yeah. It's it's LeBron this, it's uh, uh, the, the uh, NFLPA looking into Tua that. It's the same. It's the same conversation. NFL, NBA, NBA, NFL, social issues, social social justice issues. Uh, it's all that, and and no college football. And okay. that's a fa- and, and what little and if you are getting college football, it probably has to do with the betting lines. It's all about betting, yeah. about nothing else. Tim, with that, with that respect to what you're saying, I, I appreciate what Fox does with their college football broadcast. You're getting great analysis from guys like uh, Spencer, yourself, who knows the game, uh, and then of course uh, Joel Klatt. Um, yeah, Brock Heward, everybody like that. And it's more about the game. And as a fan, and, and I know you can speak to this, you've done it so long and you understand mm-hmm. where we're coming from here as college football fans. If there is a platform that you want to promote, I can go over to another news outlet for that. I don't want that in my sports. It seems right. like though, that's what we're getting. Right. I would have to think in your mind that give me your thoughts. Is that a mistake? If you're, if you're trying to be a sports network, 
don't you want to focus on the sports and the, and the things like that? I'm not saying well, that social justice is not important. It is. But when I tune in on Saturday to watch big noon kickoff or yeah. the ESPN game, I'm there to watch the game. I don't want yeah. to hear anything else. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there are times when certain issues come up that impact, you know, a community. Um, and maybe that's a community where you are calling a game and you do need to address it. Okay. Uh, and and so on those isolated occasions, I think it definitely applies. And I am always one to, to respond to those that say stick to sports, Tim, because as an American, I have the right to say what I think too, regardless of, you know, what, what fans may think I'm going to give my opinion on this or that, uh, when, when it gets to a point where I feel like it needs to be addressed, but so oftentimes it really doesn't need to be addressed and bringing it up uh, because you're being told to bring it up. And I think that's what's happening at certain uh, locations at certain media outlets is that that it's like an obligation they have to get to it. And, and the obligation that broadcasters have when calling a ball game is to serve their viewership. Uh, And, and that's what we're attempting to do. Um, I I had uh, a little back and forth text with uh, Jason Benetti in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, Jason worked for a long time at ESPN and, uh, and and now is doing White Sox games and working for us. And I told him at our seminar, I said, you're going to love it here because once the game starts, it's, it's, it's us. We're, we're calling the game. Uh, The studio is not intrusive. Okay. They're not interrupting us a lot. Uh, They let us serve our audience and, and call the game. Uh, and he, he wrote me back and said, boy, you were right about that. I'm having more fun because that's what matters most. And, you know, Sean's frustration was uh, about the Aaron Judge at bats was pretty clear. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame announcer, and he handled it with such a plum. You know, it was eloquent, but it was not uh, over the top. It wasn't something that management could get mad at him for. But the first week when they threw it back to him, after the Aaron Judge at bat, Clemson was on this drive to tie the game yeah. against Wake Forest. And uh, they threw it back to him from the studio. I think it was Kevin Nagandi. He was on ABC. Threw it back to him, and, and Sean said so eloquently. He said, uh, well, thank you, Kevin, and we welcome those of you back to the game you tuned in for. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was perfect. You know, just so well said. Uh, and with a touch of cynical humor, yes. you know. And I, I just loved it. Um, we we have an obligation as broadcasters to to serve our audience, and when we feel like we that opportunity for us to do that has been taken away, and I, and it's out of our control, it's very very frustrating. Well, again, our fi- our final minute here. I'll give you one social issue you can talk about, and that's Hurricane Ian and the aftermath of that down in Florida. You, a Louisiana uh, resident, you know what it's like. You've lived sure. through. This, this time, and if there's something we can do out there for our friends and, and families uh, in, in Florida, I know you. I know you send them your best as well. Oh my God, I've got so many friends in the Naples and and uh, 
and uh, Fort Myers area, and they were all they were all in my heart. And the people in Tampa, same thing. Yeah. yeah. Listen, thanks for having me on, fellas. As always, really great. We and, love you, uh, Tim. We love you, and so appreciate you. Weeks, we'll do we'll do it again. That sounds like a plan, my Thank friend. You. He is Tim Brando, Fox Sports national commentator. Find him on Twitter at Tim Brando, and find him here inside the press box. Will you time out? We'll come back still to go. Richard Cross, Super Talk Mississippi, and the Ole Miss Sports Network talk to us about Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss Rebels later in this edition of the press box. 